Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, welcome in. Broadcasting live from thedrivehubler.com. Sorry, the mic's not on. There we go. Broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. It's the wake up call. You know the funny thing this morning, Kevin Bowen? I texted you. What did I text you at 6.15 this morning? Manna from heaven. Manna from heaven as the battle last night over the basketball as the Pacers go to Milwaukee. (laughs) Not surprising they lost the game, right? I mean, I don't think we're too surprised they lost the game. We'll talk about that. But the hilarity that ensued, who had Giannis's basketball? That's going to be the story. It's one of the big stories on ESPN.com this morning, and we'll talk about it here for the next three hours. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. A busy show. We're going to let you hear from Matt Painter. We spoke with him at the end of yesterday's show. Uh, We'll do that. Scott Agnes will join us. Mike DeCourcy will join us as well. And we want to hear from you as well. KB, a good morning. What a night last night. Didn't think we were going to get that on a Wednesday. Yeah, quite the temper tantrum out of... I guess the best player in the NBA, certainly one of them last night, and the Pacers did their part in making sure he looked like the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I felt like watching the end of that Pacers-Bucks game, and honestly, we we, we really need to set the scene because it happened so late in the night. Uh, I can fully understand why a lot of our listening audience would have missed it, but I felt like watching that unfold post game. I'm like, oh, this is just getting getting ready for uh, Christmas. This is helping uh, Kevin Bowen prepare for Rosie not sharing well with her cousins come Christmas time. So oh, I appreciate boy, the cousins, yeah. The Bucks yeah. and the Pacers putting that on full display last night. Um let's just uh, paint the picture, Andy Sweeney, okay? Uh, the Pacers give up. It was a very chippy game. It was for the it was. end. We well, had the you had the what the first second quarter. You had Neesmith wrapping up Giannis. Well, you, you had, had Giannis giving yeah, Halliburton the elbow Giannis before gives, that. He gets a little chicken wing to Halliburton. Sure, you had him plenty down. of technical fouls sure. in this game. Bobby, Bobby Portis, Portis gets tossed there in the second half after Aaron Neesmith, which I I just thought Neesmith. I didn't think he was doing anything out of the line, out of line there. I, I simply thought Giannis was falling to the ground. Neesmith was trying to hold him up, you know. And I get Portis wants to defend his star. Portis, by all accounts, is one of the more outspoken people in Vegas after the Pacers had beat the Bucks last week. So that all unfolds, um, and this kind of goes back to the question I was tossing to you yesterday, Andy. A lot. How would the Bucks respond? Like I was so fascinated by that leading into last mm-hmm. night because the Pacers had beaten them twice in a row. They had caused some internal, you know, whatever chatter in Milwaukee about how things have unfolded this season. So there was chippiness, there was edginess to the game before the end. Giannis has, I believe, he had fifty-eight, and then re-enters the game when the Pacers' third stringers had cut it to 10. And we're talking About Ben Shepard hitting right. threes, Oscar Jarris Walker, Oscar Shibway, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, this is all Oscar Shibway's fault. <laughs> Part of Poor it is Oscar all. Oscar Shibway, he just wants to go to the free throw line and get an NBA point. It's all the guy wants yeah. to do, KB. Uh, he does not run into these issues <laughs> when he's playing the uh, you know Sioux Fall Stars or whoever in the G League. But By the way, Lance Stevenson does play tonight. We can get to that later on. There we go. 
We need to have the play-by-play. Well, we do have Michael Grady on tomorrow, yeah, right, Mark? We'll, we'll talk with him about it then. There go we go. Ahead. Continue to so, paint your picture here. So, Adrian Griffin puts his starters back in the game. And honestly, that's something I've seen the Pacers do before. Yeah, like, I got no problem with it. You exit a little bit too early with your guys. Obviously, the Bucks have had some issues in beating the Pacers. He's taking no chances. So, he puts Giannis back in. Giannis scores, what, another six? So, now the career high becomes 64 points for him. Um, and as the game ends, there, I guess, was confusion over who took the game ball. <laughs> These are grown multi-million dollar men, yes. Who took the game ball? I, I believe at one point the Bucks thought Mike Weiner, the assistant for the Pacers, had the game ball, and Mike Weiner was trying to get it for Oscar Shibway, who scored his first NBA point, something the Pacers do. And uh, I, I guess Weiner had the reserve ball. The alternate ball. Sure. The actual <laughs> game ball, which is clearly seen on video evidence, uh, was taken by a member of the Bucks staff. Somehow that was not relayed to Giannis. And again, Giannis, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne. I mean, Andy, it was a temper tantrum out of the Bucks. It, I, like I could not believe that Giannis is in a full sprint Agreed. down the visiting I, locker room. I'm still stunned he acted the way he did. I'm, I'm, After I'm, the I'm stunned by it. Yeah. Now, someone was trying to bring up, a, and, and I am all for context, or like, explain this to me. Why is Giannis reacting like that? Someone had mentioned last night that um, he did not get game the Game 6 ball from the NBA Finals, and that has really bothered him. I, I, okay. Um, I, I, I think two things can be true. One, unbelievable temper tantrum by the Bucks. Like, uh, look, Rosie Bowen over a candy cane. I mean, like, uh, unbelievable <laughs> watching that. And my God, don't let the dude score 64. Yeah. By the Andy, way, it was, it, was t- it was temper tantrums in the Sweeney household last night as well. There's temper tantrums everywhere last night. Giannis, two games yeah. of more than 42 points this season. 32 free throws last night attempted. Two it's games unbelievable. of more than 42 points this season. One time, 54 against Indiana. Last night, 64 against Indiana. Just don't let the dude go for history. He's a great player. 35, 38, do what everybody else does against them. But two games this season, he's had more than 42. 54 last week in Vegas and 60 freaking four last night. Uh, It's it's unbelievable. First of all, I'll say this. Uh, I did not expect, the reason I text KB Mana from heaven is it's a long season, right? It's a long 82-game season. It is rare that you get this type of drama in an 82-game season. And you're right, KB. Uh, how Milwaukee responded was the big question that you threw out there several times yesterday. Hey, how are the Bucks going to respond here? The Pacers have won two in a row. Uh, you know the whole Vegas thing. Unhappy about that. I mean, they didn't want they didn't want to lose that opportunity, and it's something we wonder. Now, I thought the I thought the Bucks would win. I thought they would cover. They ultimately did, and I thought they would kind of be zoned in. Right. That's how my re- of the game yesterday was going to be about last night, and for the most part, that was true. Now, I did not think Giannis was going to have the game that he did, and again, 32 free throws attempted. We talked with Matt Painter yesterday. We'll play that at 8 o'clock about how Zach Eady is officiated. How about that? I mean, anytime uh, he just head down, was going to the rim, and was going to get two, two free throws, um, but I, I, I just, I am stunned. It was a chippy game anyway, and then the end of the game, 
KB, I've never seen anything like that, uh, a star like that throwing a fit when there is absolute. Now, we'll have Agnes coming up at 830, and he had the video, and the video is out there on Twitter. It, it's readily available on the internet. I mean, the last shot is taken, and the the Buck staff member runs right to the referee. The referee hands him the basketball, and that's it. That, that's the story. And for Giannis to not even, KB, throw a fit, but start a fight on top of it. Whatever happened in you know the locker room, whatever didn't happen in the locker room. Uh, and by all <laughs> accounts, Chad mo- Buchanan got elbowed in the ribs. I, I, I was going to say, by all accounts, it was mostly verbal. Yeah. It sounds like, maybe yes. A, maybe a little push. Chad Buchanan did get elbowed yeah, in the ribs. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, not, mm-hmm. not, it's not a melee, even though maybe you know Rick Carlisle, we'll hear from him here in a second. He used words like that. But you know there was a little bit of pushing, some profanity, some posturing, some peacocking, if you will. But I love this. I, I don't love what Giannis did. I love the drama, and I love... I love that the pain, here's what you should love if you're a Pacer fan. You should love that you beat this team and you got their attention and you got under their skin and them losing to you in the way that they did publicly losing to you in that in-season tournament, that got under their skin and I like that and I like that a lot. And again, that kind of stems from what I was getting at yesterday, Andy, of like, we have not talked about the Pacers and another opponent in any sort of rivalry manner in years. No. Like, yeah. like, none of it. Right. And in this market, we're used to Pacers-Knicks. We're used to Pacers-Pistons. We're used to Pacers-Heat. And that, all of those had edginess to them and tense moments. And last night, again, before everything unfolded post-game, Andy, you had some of those moments. And I want to make sure our audience knows that because, you know, Unfortunately, a large percentage of them are probably only going to see what happened post game. Right. And what happened in the 48 minutes of basketball was hard fouls, was technicals, uh, chirping, uh, post whistle, uh, a lot of that. And again, to your point, you have helped create that. You have kind of earned that. And that's what April and May can be about. And this is a team, and obviously you're going to see, I mean, let's just circle it right now. January 1st, yep. January 3rd, at Milwaukee on the 1st. Home to Indiana on the third. That, I love it. Let's go. That already has yeah. playoff feel oh, because does. it's one of those two games in three nights. You you don't have an opponent sandwich in between there. So um, again, Milwaukee is like part of me watched that Andy and thought, you know what, this is Ryan Day, Lou Holtz all over again. <laughs> And okay. remember my reaction the Monday after that? Okay, well, I do, but tell the people. I remember your reaction, yeah. I wanted to bitch and moan <laughs> and whine about Ryan Day like none other. And make, I was... Make fun of his beard. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> and we played the clips, and Mark had the Lou Holtz audio and the Ryan Day audio. Oh, and, you know, I was just... I was trying to feast on that. And you know what? Inside of me, I thought, why the hell did we have 10 guys on the field for two plays mm-hmm. to end the game? Why right. the hell did right. we give up a third and 19? Yeah, you throw out that 11th guy maybe in the biggest yeah. play of the season. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. Could Go touch ahead down do Jesus that. of, you know, yeah. come off the edge and set, set, you know, great leverage there to stop the run. Like, that's where it really stems from. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. Again, Giannis was Ryan Day. Temper tantrum, like none other. So out of line. I'm like, dude, what happened? That, that that was my first reaction. I'm like, holy, did something you know happen that we just missed during the course of the game? No, it's all over a ball. And so I want to, <laughs> I want to be mad about that, and I want to be only mad about that. But you know what? I probably should be mad about 
Don't let the dude score 60 yeah. freaking four. When you're down 10, you needed some stops. You could have got back in the game. You did. 64. You lose, yeah, you lose the game. I, I, I thought I was seeing things, by points. the way, on the opening possession when Buddy Heald got the defensive assignment Ugh. on Giannis. I'm oh, like, wait buddy. a minute. Am yeah. I seeing things Switch here? off. Yeah, what's going on? You know the other thing about it is Giannis was, whether it's the forearm shiver to Halliburton or after the game or a couple times during, Giannis was going to Halliburton. Well, and like, I, This was star I for that, star for a little time That here. was from, I think, a little bit of that Dame time celebration Probably. in yeah. Vegas. And, Probably. Um, you know what? Part of this is kind of why I've always... I wouldn't say I've, I'm this big Giannis fan, but I've liked what Giannis has brought to the NBA in that, uh, and pro- probably, honestly, a lot of it stems from international play of like, you know, he did not grow up in some five-star United States culture and, you know, he's been on all these Team USA team. Like, he has no, uh, you know, previous history with really any of these players, any of these stars. And, you know, he's obviously stayed in Milwaukee. I really respect that. So, um, at the end of the day, I do love the intensity I saw for 48 minutes. Uh, I think what's disappointing if you're a Pacers fan is, again, defensively, zero answer for him whatsoever. Uh, I can't wait for January 1st. Can't wait for January 3rd. And this is what you want. You want to get back into these moments where Total agreement. Um, you Total have agreement. This, this intensity with a singular opponent, particularly one in your division, one in your conference. And uh, that's probably where I walk away from it. But, man, giving up 64 to the dude. Holy shit. He, he doesn't even make a three, dude. <laughs> That's the other thing about it. He doesn't make, in today's game, he doesn't make a three-pointer. He's 0 for 3, and he scored 64 points without making a three-point shot. It's unbelievable. Basically, to summarize it all, it was a misunderstanding over the game ball, which is amazing. Did you it, see it that really is, is what the argument is? Did you see Dustin DePierre's tweet about it? Yeah. Here's my attempt to make sense of all this stuff in narrative form. Again, Pacers say they have the reserve ball. Video shows a Buck security staff grabbing the game ball, but Giannis doesn't think he has the real one. Yeah, but here's the what best is going part. on? He, here's the best part, guys. While all of this fighting is not fighting, but posturing, beefing, uh, back and forth. While all this bad stuff is going, I think it's funny. While this stuff is going on, I mean, Giannis running down the tunnel, acting like he's going to do anything. I mean, that's that, that's a that's a sight to behold. One of the stars of the NBA. That was a freight train. The, the not security guard, but the team staff member of the Bucks. Does he know this is going on? Because he knows he has the basketball. You know, I he watched so many the clips, ref. and I thought at one point there was somebody that got in front of Giannis and was like, "We've got it," or "I've I, I've got the ball." Scott Agnes says that did happen. In but some again, of the video if you watch seen. Giannis, Andy, he is gone. Oh, he doesn't I mean, think so. he, he no. is he's gone. I mean, like he mentally, he yeah. is ready to go. And again, some of this watching it unfold, I thought was a little bit like Mahomes on Sunday. Of you are frustrated over your team's overall play. I think Mahomes reacting like he did on Sunday is because the Kansas City offense has become human mm-hmm. and they're not the video game that we are used to. And I think Giannis's reaction is probably twofold. One, and again, I I I have no idea for the whole you know beef with this, but you know some of it is I didn't get the game ball in the NBA Finals, so the, you know this is kind of adding to it. But again, I think some of it stems from what happened in Vegas and what the Pacers did to them in the first two games this season. This one here from Kevin on Twitter, the comment of the day, 
January 3rd has to be free game ball giveaway for the Pacers. <laughs> oh, they have to do something. By the way, someone, national TV, whatever you got cooking, take the take the Knicks off TV. Put this game on national that, TV somewhere. That's a great point. Take the Knicks off TV. I don't so know why January 1st on them. there, January 3rd here, and that concludes the season series. So, Andy, it's one of these storylines that it's going to live for 24 hours, then it's going to die for a few weeks, then we'll get it right to start of January, and then nothing. And then it's gone for, for the months. final few months. Yeah. And then, of course, you know we'll see when the Eastern Conference playoffs unfold where the Pacers, where the Bucks fit into that, and if there's a possible seven-game series. An argument over the game ball. That's where we're at here on this Thursday morning. I guess if you're the Pacers, you're happy it overshadows uh, giving up 140 to the Bucks and losing last night in Milwaukee by 14. It was one of those nights where... Shibway, Ben Shepard, Jairus Walker, they all got in relatively early. Uh, five minutes ago in the fourth quarter, Rick Carlisle went there. Obi Toppin fouls out in 20 minutes, and boy, you need more from Buddy Heald and Bruce Brown. You just, those two right now, um, not giving you enough, especially from a starting lineup standpoint. So that will be a dominant topic on today's show. The other, I would think, big news item from yesterday is one TJ Watt has cleared concussion protocol so he is expected to play this Saturday against the Colts. Try to hammer that point home, how big Watt would be for this matchup. I'll throw a, what I think is a pretty uh, wild stat at you on what T.J. Watt means to Pittsburgh. And again, uh, the importance of this one. As w- This is typically a Friday. You know, this is, with a Saturday game, we're going to get a final injury report today um, for the Colts. They'll have their last practice of the week, so we'll run down that. As well. As Andy said, we'll re-rack some of that Matt Painter coming up at 8 o'clock. Scott Agnes at 8.30. And get you set for a great college basketball weekend with Mike DeCourcy coming up at 9 o'clock. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton. We're sharing well here on this Thursday morning. The same cannot be said for the Pacers and Bucks last night. We'll talk more about it next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You miss saying the show, check it out, 1075thefan.com. You can check us out, Podcast Center, listen live, and everything else. Qu- uh, else. Query and Company coming your way at noon today. Lots to talk about there. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. Uh, go ahead and give us give us the news that you reported there. You didn't report, but that you read the Pacers uh, tweeting out what just minutes ago, right? About McGinnis, I yeah, believe. Yeah, George McGinnis passing away at the age of 73. Um, you know, been some reports all week long, you know, about fortunately been in some poor health. Um, you know, just an absolute basketball icon, you know, in this state, Andy, no matter, you know, what level, you know, whether it was at Washington as a high schooler and a Mr. Basketball or 
um, you know, early 70s at IU, and then certainly from an ABA, MBA standpoint. And like I said before the break, by all accounts, I was talking to Mike Chappell about George McGinnis mm. yesterday, and, you know, as great of a player, and, and I, I'm, you know, I don't think we are like this at all, but if you did the Mount Rushmore sort of debate in the state of Indiana, he's sure. on it. I mean, oh, there yeah, is zero sure. debate. Sure. But just as a human being, um, check so many unbelievable qualities in that box as well. So um, think about the McGinnis family here on this Thursday morning as uh, we lose a great one here uh, today. Uh, let's get Scott Agnes uh, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline Fieldhouse Files. Uh, Scott, good morning as we get you on here. I, I don't know if you have heard the McGinnis news. I guess any reaction to that this morning? Yeah, good morning. No, I, I just heard waking up to that news myself. Um, I, I know he wasn't doing well health-wise and, and, and sad to see Sad to see this for him and for his family and his whole Pacers IU community. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So we'll keep, uh, I'm sure there'll be stories throughout the day on that. We'll keep, uh, kind of keep you updated if anything else is tweeted out by the Pacers here. Again, George McGinnis passing away, that being announced earlier this morning. Well, I guess let's get to the, I mean, I mean, now we go to the trivial stuff, right? We go to the basketball stuff and the, the ball gate and the Spalding. What is it? The Spalding spat. Uh, oh, and, I added one more, else. by the way. Okay. Oh, here we go, Scott. All right. Scott, hold on. Uh, hear me out on this one. Okay. This is from CW. Turn the other Greek cheek. <laughs> yes? No? Boy, I like that one better than Scott did. Scott, well, uh, to he be gave fair, you a half smile on that Scott, one. Scott, wow. you were up until what hour of the morning watching video over who got the game ball? <laughs> yeah, it was a 4 a.m. night. about Nothing about oh. a true basketball game. Oh, unbelievable. I, I guess, uh, Scott, you've watched a million angles. You've listened to everybody's thoughts post-game from the Pacers and Bucks. For our audience, and by the way, thank you for waking up with us. For our audience that might be waking up and having missed what happened, let's just go final buzzer to now. Describe what you saw and heard. Yeah, buzzer sounds. The ball lands in the hand of James Capers, one of the officials. He hands it off to one of the Bucks security details, who like three seconds later hands it off to what appears to be a Bucks staff member, um, kind of on the left arc. And the Bucks staff member uh, seems to be high up there. It's the same guy that later on deals with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that would represent to me kind of maybe the head of security or right there. Uh, up there if if it was the same thing as the Pacers. But anyway, so then that Bucks staffer has the ball, and then camera shots cut away on both the Pacers and the Bucks broadcast where you do not see, you know, does this individual pass it off again? Does he walk off the court with it? Uh, what have you. But that for that reason alone, it should be pretty simple for the Bucks to go back to either the yeah. like 32 plus cameras basketball ops usually has available to them or just the general security cameras that they have available in Pfizer forum um, to go figure out quite quickly because then after this over about a three minute and 30 second period a lot unfolds that initially makes no sense and and I can go much further after that if you want but that's kind of how the initial transaction uh, happened. All of this, and Scott Agnes with us, Fieldhouse Files. Scott, all of this is funny, it's petty, it's stupid, Mm -hmm. it's silly, it's all those things, but 
I don't know. There's a part of me that likes kind of what happened last night. It was a chippy game. There were flagrants. There were technicals. Bobby Portis was thrown out of the game. You had Giannis give the little forearm shiver to Tyrese Halliburton. You And even after the game, you saw Giannis and Halliburton kind of going back at it. And, you know, you know the, the two wins earlier on this season by the Pacers against the Bucks, and maybe a little bit of, you know, some of the celebrations and everything else. I like that there is potential, potentially here, a budding rivalry. The Pacers have earned, Scott, the chance for someone like the Milwaukee Bucks to pay attention and not like them. And on top of it, I love that the Pacers are getting under the skin of Giannis and company. What did you make just as a whole of people are paying attention to the Pacers and because they beat the Bucks twice, the Bucks do not like the Pacers, seemingly. Yeah, especially more so because within the last week, they blocked them from potentially winning 500000 in the championship game, too. So if there's the money motivation to continue on like there was for the Pacers and Lakers, there's also that that sense of disappointment that they made, uh, you know, Giannis and the Bucks went all the way to Vegas to lose on his 29th birthday and miss out on the money to have to fly all the way home, right? Like, mm-hmm. that could be the general way of describing just their last week and all. But, no, you're right, because it feels like a lot a lot was said and unsaid last night um, that carried a, a little bit more additional weight than maybe any additional regular season game. Much like the in-season tournament, like – it felt a little bit bigger last night. Now, I'm not ready to quite call it a rivalry. I'm not sure there's really any true rivalry in the NBA anymore. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that's really evolved over the last couple of decades, I think. Um, I think for the Pacers to get there, they've got to get back to the playoffs. Ideally, maybe meet the Bucks in the playoffs before that can truly be a, a rivalry on both sides. I think we saw that, right, KB, on like the Colts side. right? The rivalry's not back on with New England until the Colts actually do something of relevancy. But between the, like, three-hour game, which is about an hour longer than usual, the, uh, I think, eight technicals, and then a lot of uh, pushing, shoving, talking, that was a lot last night. And it definitely meant more than your average December game. Scott, last one for me. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files. Last one for me in relation to last night's game, because I actually want to ask you about Vegas and a little bit more on-the-court activities uh, I mean, nothing happens, right? Like from a league standpoint, I, I I'm trying to think of like how does this move on until mm-hmm. you know January first and third when these two teams meet to end the season. I I don't know. Maybe there's some clarity from the league, but this is a pretty nothing storyline. I would say moving on in terms of suspensions or fines or anything like that, right? I think so, but it's it's definitely something that the NBA and their security are going to call the Pacers. They're going to call the Bucks. Double check, understand what happened because what they're what they're not going to like most probably out of this is some of the behavior post game, including three at least three Bucks players we know of going towards the Pacers huddle or, or tunnel, I should say, and having some kind of at least face-to-face with with each other. Um, we don't know anything more other than Rick Carlisle saying that Pacers GM Chad Buchanan took an elbow. It sounded kind of uh, – it was all unintentional. It wasn't anything delivered by the Bucks, but that's something that NBA security is going to want to call in, see some tape, 
take a look into. There was an alternative camera, I think, uh, a video posted by uh, the ESPN affiliate in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't show the, the, the greatest of angles, but it did seek kind of the Pacers' reaction. Um, it didn't show anyone being violent or out of control on their end or have, you know, um, you know, charging anything by anything. But uh, that that would be the thing you wouldn't like, is you would not like uh, the Bucks, especially Giannis, charging, sprinting towards the Pacers' locker room like you're trying to start something, even if nothing did happen, like like it really didn't. Scott Agnes with us here, Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, Scott, I want to play this sound for you. Now, I listened to this during the break. Uh, I found this, it was on Reddit, but a couple people on Twitter mentioned this, how the announcers there in Milwaukee, I don't know, Mark, you listened to it. Was it fake superstar they called Tyrese Halliburton? Well, oh, yeah. A wannabe, yep. a wannabe superstar. So that is something going on in Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee Wally Bucks, Zerbiak 2.0 here? Bucks Twitter, social media, something, Scott, that is very verbiage and a phrase, I guess, that is being used. This is about 25 seconds. This is from the Bucks broadcast last night. Physical at both ends of the floor. And if, you know, uh, if, a, if a wayward elbow catches somebody in the nose, if a, if a forearm shiver catches a, a you know, two cockies want to be superstar in the chest, so be it. <laughs> I'm not naming any I was going to say to be I'm, named nameless. No, no, I'm just saying. Just figure it out yourself. I'm, I'm speaking in all right, so there you go. A, uh, and I need to look up who that is. A I mean, what an idiotic comment. A cocky wannabe superstar. So that's something that in Milwaukee Bucks land is absolutely being talked about the last few weeks. Well, they also said there was another part where, where Halliburton bumped into Giannis and fell on the ground, and the announcer also called him one of the best floppers in recent memory. What do you think, hmm. Scott? Yeah, that that you just don't do that. You guys know as announcers, like what are you what are you talking about? No, you, you call it as you see it, and that that felt personal. I mean, obviously, it was a playoff of what Wally Zerbiak said last season, right before Tyrese was named a first time All Star. And by the way, to kind of play off this, I can go back and start the conversation, perhaps on Las Vegas, and we were sitting there at the post game press conference after the Pacers had uh, beaten the Bucks to move on to the finals and I just remember a, a total random media member sitting behind me talking amongst themselves going huh I wonder what Wally Zerbiak's thinking right now <laughs> like <laughs> that was a, was a pretty great comment considering Ty had led the Pacers to the finals of the in-season tournament but no that's that right there that clip you played from the Bucks TV that's just totally unprofessional you can talk about maybe the way in which he over exaggerated something for certain but Fake superstar, there's nothing fake about what he's doing right now. And if they knew or followed him more closely, you'd realize everything he does comes from the heart and is genuine. Yeah, that's about as stupid as, honestly, what we've talked about for the first 90 (laughs) minutes today, which is saying something. Uh, Boy, I feel like this is a TMZ version with Scott Agnes here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, uh, Yeah, there's, there's no basketball included. You talk about what... Right, what the announcer sure. said and what they did with the basketball and who kept it. Well, yeah, when you give up 64 right. to a dude, it's probably a good thing for the Pacers we're not talking about the performance on the floor last night. Uh, I will end with this, and as always, again, appreciate your time, especially on a late one for you. You were out in Vegas um, for the in-season tournament. I will continue the TMZ fodder. You caught up with Lance Stevenson, and he's starring in a movie? Tell me more. <laughs> right? Of course he is. That's exactly what I told him, KB. 
Uh, yeah, I was like, hey, what have you been up to? I haven't heard much from you since you were playing in Puerto Rico for one week and then returned home because it was not a good uh, situation. I think his coach got fired during that stretch. And anyways, it's like, yeah, man, I started a movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard about this. It's on Netflix. He's like, no, 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 I star in this one. I'm the man in this one. And so uh, I, I guess – as he explained, it's in the movie, uh, according to IMDb, is in post-production now, meaning all recording done and now the editing and all that stuff. Uh, it's kind of in that phase. But he's a uh, – it, it kind of reminds me perhaps if it's like that Adam Sandler Netflix-type show. But, um, yeah, Lance is, is uh, the uh, former NBA player, and they kind of tell his story. Not Lance's, uh, by the way, to be tr- fair, too. It's not, quote, based on a true story. I literally asked him that. He says it's not. Uh, he's just a troubled NBA player that runs into some issues on and off the court, and he really enjoyed it. Gosh. I I love this, but then I see the 10-day contract. I'm thinking, Scott, this dude's going to play till he's 44. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a real hooper. He is absolutely one of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is what he's all about. He, he lives in Indy, lives in Vegas, goes back and forth. I, I did get a laugh out of the fact. I was like, oh, so you're in Vegas now. He goes, oh, yeah, the minute it turns cold, I go to I come here to Las Vegas, where uh, <laughs> his parents have lived. They've lived here probably for more than a decade. Good for him. Yeah. That's where I wish I was, yeah. Lance Stevenson, <laughs> movie, 10-day contract in the G League. He might be the first 10-day contract in the G League ever to be a lead role in a movie with that. Scott, uh, thank you uh, for the time this morning covering a variety of topics not very much related to the 48 minutes last night. So appreciate the time. And again, Scott's latest. He was all over it last night on the video and the reaction from Pfizer Forum. Thank you, Scott. All right. Thanks, guys. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. you joining us on this Thursday. Appreciate Scott Agnes joining us. You heard our conversation with Matt Painter. All of that up on the podcast center at 1075thefan.com. Mike DeCourcy going to join us here in just a few minutes. We'll talk some college basketball with him. National Landscape, Indiana, Kansas, Purdue, Arizona. Going to be a busy weekend here in the state of Indiana. And then he's also he's also a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan and they blow into town obviously on Saturday afternoon, but KB, the conversation, I'm looking at Kevin Bowen right now, I think you're done talking about the Spalding spat. I think you're done talking about what happened after the Pacer game last night. I'm looking at you, you're tired of it, you did two hours of it today. The Cream City Crybaby, as somebody has described it. (laughs) 
That's a good one, too. I tweeted out, Layla, by the way, I do like that one. Um, we have some great ones. People are very smart and make me laugh here on this Thursday morning. I tweeted out, like, around midnight last night, I don't have the energy to argue over who's right or wrong over a game ball. Like, I don't. I, I And I thought Patrick uh, summed it up pretty well in the YouTube chat earlier today. Uh, both franchises owe us an apology. The Pacers can start off and say, <laughs> we regret our defensive effort leading to... Giannis Antetokounmpo having 64 points last night. Again, uh, 42 points. That was the season high for Giannis in every other team he's played this season. He's had 54 against Indiana and 64 against Indiana. So there's the first apology. And then the second apology, uh, Giannis can say, I apologize for acting like, making Rosie Bowen uh, look like her temper tantrums are tame with how Giannis reacted last night to a ball, a game ball. You've you mentioned this a few times when all the kids get together here in the coming days for Christmas. That is a worry for you guys. No, I mean, the over the cousins are going to yeah. fight over a toy. Right. The over under is uh, two and a half minutes on when <laughs> when the wow. first crime so quick. will happen. Um, again, for those that missed it last night, Bucks Pacers, very intense game, chippy, edgy, ejections, technicals. Uh, Halliburton gets elbowed by Giannis. You know, I said it all show yesterday. How is Milwaukee going to respond? And I thought they would be on edge, and boy, they were. It was clear. And then, to be fair to them, they played like it. They pulled away from Indiana in the second half. I don't think the Pacers led after the first quarter. Um, and so the Bucks pull away. They're late. And then at the end of the game, the Pacers think they're getting the game ball because Oscar Shibway scored his first points. Giannis thinks he deserves the game ball because uh, he scored 64. Uh, we had ball gate play out <laughs> and quite the post-game reaction as Giannis and several Bucks players stormed up the visiting tunnel after the Pacers. Just pathetic reaction by the Bucs. And equally as pathetic was the Pacers' defensive effort. And I guess it did happen. Poor Chad Buchanan, the GM there, is the one that that got the worst of it if he has a bruised rib today. He wakes up not being able to laugh, sneeze, or cough without a little bit of pain in his side. I hope Chad's okay. I know, man. Come on. I do. And there is a part of me that's like, Oh my God, is this really what we're talking about? It's what we've talked about for the better part of two hours. Uh, let's get Mike DeCorsi on here at TSN Mike, the Sporting News Big Ten Network. Now, we are going to talk some college basketball with him. Uh, his Pittsburgh Steelers, you even wrote about him at the Sporting News, so we got to pick your brain about the Steelers and Colts. But just quickly, Mike, have you seen any of the stuff this morning with Giannis and uh, the Spalding spat, ball gate, if you will? We've been talking, We've been talking about it for the better part of two hours this morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, I just don't need another gate, man. We just don't need it. <laughs> like I, the Spalding spat, that's good. I like that. Let's stick with that. But no more gates, man. Um, I'm with it, you. It, it, you know, I was alive for Watergate. You guys, you know, you guys weren't. Like, we don't need any more. There's got to be another way to describe a scandal than just attaching gate to everything. I would agree. It's laziness. That's what it is. Although it I really feel, is. Although deflate gate, I mean, that's going to stay the way it is. That did Sorry. rhyme. So yeah. that was, that was, yeah. that was, that the rhymes always come into play. Mike, before we get to number one, two, and three in the college basketball rankings playing in the state of Indiana coming up this weekend, let's do start with your Steelers. If you don't mind, uh, I would think TJ Watt clearing concussion protocol is a huge, huge deal for Saturday. Is that enough to overcome Mitch Trubisky and the ineptness of the Steelers' offense? Yeah, I don't know if it is. I mean, there are days when it has been. Uh, He and Alex Highsmith basically won the Cleveland game with turnovers deep in the Browns' territory, one of which was turned into a direct touchdown. Uh, So it's possible, but 
the offense, this, the Steelers fans can't figure out why they lost to two bad teams. Well, that, they lost their quarterback. I mean, the quarterback, and I understand, look, I understand Kenny Pickett wasn't Johnny Unitas. I mean, I get that. I've watched. But, he, but he's better than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we're seeing that. Uh, we're seeing that both in terms of uh, the uh, safety of not turning the ball over, which Trubisky, I mean, excuse me, uh, Pickett had gone through, uh, I don't know exactly what the number of uh, attempts was, but it was well over 100 attempts without throwing an interception. Trubisky got out there, and I think his first or second ball went into the other team's hands. Uh, so that's a, that's a big part of why they've been as poor as they have. I mean, I, I've seen various comments about uh, since the firing of Matt Canada, how many points they're averaging. Well, halfway through the second game without Canada, they lost their quarterback. I mean, we, it's so much in Pittsburgh now has devolved into vacant criticism. Just basically they're not winning. So they need a new coach and, and all of that. It's, it's really disheartening to see that they, they have had three coaches in 50 years. And in those 50 years, they have won more games than any other franchise by a significant margin. You wouldn't think that one franchise in this league could be 20 games or so ahead of the nearest competition, but they are. They've made as many or more playoffs as any other team. They've won six Super Bowls. Only the Patriots could match that, and only during the Brady era. And yet the people who follow the team haven't figured out yet why it's, why it's worked like that. I mean, it's been 50 years you would figure that they would understand by now that that stability, that commitment to stability is a huge component of why they are successful. And yet they really would rather just be the Jets so that you'll fire a coach every three years and then you and then you don't have to yell at the same person. He's Mike DeCourcy. He's fired up with a terrible towel here on this Thursday morning. We appreciate that. By the way, thank you to Michigan legend Stu Douglas. He mentions the NBA ball is Wilson, so we're going to go with whining about Wilson. Whining about Wilson. There you go. So unfor- there you go. Unfortunately, the Spalding spat is out. Whining about Wilson <laughs> is in. I, I do like turn the other Greek cheek. It's a little wordy, but it's funny. That sounds educational, so it, it I like really that does. one. Yeah. It really does. Some education involved with it. That's what we're providing here is hilarity and education. Mike DeCourcy with us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. So where, I guess where are you with this team, Mike? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeless? Do they need to, you know, you want to make the playoffs? Do you not want to make the playoffs so they do make some changes? Uh, what do they need to do here? I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to think of the Pittsburgh Steelers this late in the season. Well, the changes are inevitable because they removed Matt Canada as offensive coordinator, and I don't think that they're going to promote or, or leave in, in place the, the, the gentlemen who, who uh, are replacing him on an interim basis. They, they need a new offensive uh, coordinator. They'll, they'll need new offensive coaches in various positions. And I, I, and I wrote this. I, I think Matt, the, 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 the Canada episode is indicative that Tomlin's input into the next offensive coordinator should be very minimal. I've joked that, that they sh- he should be allowed to meet him uh, or, or before, before, he accept, <laughs> before that person accepts the job. Uh, but that would be the extent of his contribution to that particular move if I were in charge, uh, because it was a disaster. And, and it was a disaster easily predictable. Matt Canada's record as a college offensive coordinator, I, I don't want to say it was abysmal, but for someone who was to be an NFL offensive coordinator, it was atrocious. He, in, in a dozen years, I think it was around exactly a dozen years as a college offensive coordinator, 
his, his team's averaged 57th in, out of 130 or so D1 schools in scoring. So what, what about that says, oh, this guy's got to be running an NFL offense? And so that, that, was, that, that, that was disastrous enough that Tomlin should not have a huge say. But that doesn't mean every single person that makes a, even a significant mistake deserves to be fired. What, do your players continue to play hard for this person? By and large, they do, because if they didn't, this team would not be nearly 7-6. and six. He is Mike DeCourcy. Um, I guess we should transition now to some college basketball. Um, Mike, I guess to put it simple, is the Big Ten bad this year? It's not certainly not up to the standards of the last four years. It's, it's, it's disappointing for sure. Bad is a strong word to use, sure. uh, but it's because because there are very very good teams in the league. And I mean, what happened with Northwestern last night was bad. There's no doubt. Uh, losing to Chicago State at home was a was a dreadful result. But they're not the only ones that have had that happen to them. Uh, Villanova's lost three games in Philly. Uh, they lost they lost the two Big Five games to St. Joe and Penn, and they also lost to Drexel. Uh, which they, they, the city six, they have to expand to add Drexel in. Uh, they, they, so you're seeing that happen in more and more places. Uh, Kentucky losing to UNCW, not, not a, a Chicago state level loss, but still not a loss that you would expect a major team with big talent to lose at home. Uh, I think you're seeing uh, more and more teams that, you know, I, I, this sounds, this may sound pejorative. It's not meant to be, but when more and more mid-major players are on high-major teams, they're, you know, they're accustomed to losing to mid-major players. And if you're, if you're at Valpo or you're at, uh, at Ball State or you're at Indiana State, you've lost a few games to mid-major players over the years. And so if you're now at one of the major powers and you're counted on to provide uh, significant uh, input, uh, significant contributions, you're, you're vulnerable to a team that's a mid-major team. Mike DeCourcy with us here at TSN. Mike, you want to follow him there. Saturday afternoon, a big one there at GameBridge. Uh, you know, what, number one versus number three in the country, Purdue and Arizona. How does Purdue need to win that game and just handicap that matchup? It should be an absolute fun game. I love this Arizona team and Tommy Lloyd. And at 9-1, and one, we know Purdue's humming along and Purdue already with, what, four or five big-time wins on their resume early on this season. Well, it starts with making sure that you that you get the ball uh, as often and in as good of positions as possible to Zach Eady, and that's what that's what wrecked Alabama on Saturday up in Toronto. They they did a terrific job of getting the ball to Eady. Uh, Braden Smith has to play a terrific game against Kylan Boswell, the, the fine young uh, sophomore point guard for Arizona. Last year, when when Arizona was struggling at times, and when they ultimately struggled in. The, their game in the NCAA tournament, I thought that Boswell wasn't used enough. I, I thought that he needed more run, and he's showing that I, that what I believed I saw in him was definitely true, uh, that he is really very capable. It'll be interesting to see how Caleb Love plays in the game. Caleb Love has had a very good start to his season after leaving North Carolina. Uh, that's a position that's been really interesting uh, for uh, – for Purdue because they played multiple players on the wings. Uh, It's been a lot of Fletcher lawyer, uh, but it hasn't been exclusively him. Uh, We've seen miles Colvin get more time. We've seen Cam uh, uh, get in there as well. And so I I think that there's, there's a lot of options. And of course, 
they, they, they don't have to necessarily use their shooting guard to deal with love. They have other options defensively as well. Uh, so I think that they're, I think that's that matchup, making sure that love doesn't have a fun day uh, is a big part of it. But the biggest part, it, it always rests with Edie. And again, Arizona's got some pretty impressive size for college basketball to try and slow down. Zach Eady again, Mike DeCourcy's with us for his work at Sporting News, Big Ten Network, TSN Mike on Twitter. Uh, how vital is Indiana trying to pull off the upset Saturday, Mike, to their non-conference resume? Well, I, I think at this point, I mean, you, you don't go into a game saying we need to beat a team like Kansas or we're uh, or in huge trouble. I mean, uh, because it, it's it's – Still, even though the game is at Assembly Hall, it's still not likely, especially coming off the game that they played against Auburn. But it's not, it's not beyond reason that they could do it. I, I've spoken before about going to Assembly Hall at times. I, I don't remember the exact year. It was either 16 or 17 uh, that they played Carolina and, and at, at the Assembly Hall in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And it was... That was not as good an Indiana team as this is. Uh, and that might have been a better Carolina team than this Kansas team. And the, the crowd was so into it, was so deafening, was such a part of that. And it elevated the play of the Hoosiers and it, uh, and it uh, de-elevated. What's the, what's the word there for that? I'm not sure the proper word. It, it, it dropped the level of play. Uh, for the Tar Heels, and they were able to pull that upset. So, I mean, I think they need a great crowd. I think they need a great performance. And I think they need to find a way uh, to, to – they obviously have to defend the three-point line better than they did Saturday. But I think they need more uh, really quality looks for the three-point shooters they do have. You're just not going to beat high major, good high major teams two points at a time from beginning to end. you got to get some more three-point offense for this team to work. Mike, I remember you mentioning, I'm trying to think of the exact verbiage, but you didn't believe it was totally like personnel with Indiana. They just need to, you know, play better, kind of learn their roles, figure out substitutions and everything else. And that was probably like two, three weeks ago. We went well, probably longer than that than we had you on. Is your mind changed with that? Does Indiana have enough, you think, to make, a, a, you know, to me, to simply make the NCAA tournament right now? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, they need Xavier Johnson back because they need Gabe Cups in the role that his freshman year was expected to be, which was coming off the bench uh, as, a, as a reserve point guard and as a, as a periodic shooter because he's a very capable shooter. But when he's having to carry the point guard responsibility because of Xavier missing, it's hard to, for that player to do both uh, run an offense in a high major game when he's only played about 10 of them uh, and also concentrate on getting open shots for himself, or or have the team get open shots for himself. From time he'll get the time to time he'll get the ball kicked back out to him at the at the end of a cycle through an offense that's not successful, and maybe he'll be open and can and can pop that shot. But there's not a uh, there's not going to be a lot run for him as a, as a point guard. So they really need Xavier Johnson back if they're going to make a run at the tournament. Uh, that's 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 the primary ingredient that they need. I, I've, I've really liked what I've seen uh, from, from this team. I, I think Khalil Ware has been a, a revelation. He wasn't as good in the uh, Auburn game as we've seen him for most of this year, uh, but I think a lot of that was what was going on around him and not necessarily his responsibility. We're seeing Mackenzie and Baco start to feel a little bit more comfort 
uh, on the the perimeter playing offense. We're starting to see that. So I think a lot of things are rounding into shape, but being absent the point guard and and therefore being kind of affected almost at two positions or one and a half positions because you're not as strong at point, especially defensively uh, with, with Xavier gone. Uh, and you miss that you miss that little three point touch that the cops can bring coming off the bench. Mike, last one from me again. Mike DeCourcy is with us here, talking a little Steelers early on, some college basketball as well. Reads work at Sporting News, Big Ten Network. Um, Juwan Howard, how messy is the situation right now up in Michigan with you know, not necessarily maybe the uh, you know Phil Martelli running the huddle, uh, but another incident off the floor with him from a physical standpoint. Yeah, well, it didn't get physical by all accounts. It, it, in the initial report that was presented to uh, uh, the athletics, uh, Brendan Quinn, uh, it was said that it wasn't physical. Uh, and in the reporting that Jeff Goodman from Field of 68 did yesterday, uh, it, it was affirmed that it wasn't physical. Now, it was, it, they did have to be, uh, according to Jeff, held back from one another, the, the strength coach and, and, and Jawan. But uh, there, were, there, there was nothing uh, that, uh, that occurred physically between the two of them. So I, I don't immediately attach it to what happened at, in, in the Wisconsin game. I think it was February of 22 that that happened. I don't immediately attach it to that. Uh, but I do think that it, 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 it does – I think based on the reporting that was done, it was a comment made by the strength coach. And, again, this is not me. This is, uh, this is what was presented through reporting – uh, a comment made by the strength coach about Jawan's son, uh, and the, and about the state of the program in general, and and I think that it did. He was a, he was affronted on two fronts there, uh, uh, so I can understand why he would be angry. And since he didn't, uh, since he did not uh, escalate that to physicality, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with him getting angry. Uh, I, I, I could see where, as a father and as the person running the program, that he would feel insulted and be angry. Uh, as, as, if it had gone beyond what has been reported, then I think it would be a significant problem. Uh, if, if, if indeed the reporting is accurate, and I think Michigan's still looking at it, I don't think they've concluded their examination of this. Um, if, if, if that reporting is accurate, then I don't think it's a huge problem at this point. But I do think that Jawan uh, would be wise, uh, based on the reaction to this, would be wise to make sure that his temper is is in check. And we based you know based going back to that Wisconsin game, the fact that he has had verbal uh, altercations with other Big Ten coaches. Uh, I think at a certain point, uh, not everybody. Yeah, there's 355 coaches in Division One, maybe 360 now. We don't hear that from a lot of uh, of them. We don't see these things happen a lot. So it's probably better if he makes sure that it doesn't happen again. Mike, great mm. stuff. Good luck juggling your Steelers on Saturday amidst a busy day. <laughs> What's well, a busy day for Mike DeCourcy? Basketball. Oh, my God. Uh, as always, appreciate the time, Mike. Thanks, guys. It's Mike DeCourcy right there, Payless Slickers Hotline. We haven't mentioned this as far as Saturday. Obviously, again, number two Kansas at Indiana. Uh, to me, that is – you get to the NCAA tournament and a win over Kansas, that can bump you up a full line if you want to look at it from a seeding standpoint. I think that's monumental for the resume of Indiana. If they don't get that one, the non-conference resume just is so blah and lacks anything of substance. 
You've got Purdue, which we've talked about a lot, 430, them in Arizona. Again, Matt Painter, if you missed that, that's up on our podcast page. Um, but we should also mention the first game over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse uh, on Saturday, Andy. You've got 9-1 and Indiana State and 8-2 and Ball State. Uh, we did the exercise about a month ago. When's the last time a mid-major from Indiana yeah, it was Valpo, has right? made the tournament? It's been quite some time. Valpo in what was it, 2015-16? I'm trying to think of... Yeah, Scotty was in here and he was he was telling us. I want to say it was like 2005, but I could be wrong. Oh, I, I think remember. it was more recent than you that. Because I think you also had Indiana State well, somehow look, in the 2010s. I'll, I'll look it up because, and I don't remember yesterday, let alone uh, four <laughs> weeks ago when we had this conversation. But from Josh Schertz and, and, and Terre Haute, Michael Lewis, and Muncie, very nice starts to their respective seasons there. So we'll see about Indiana State in the MoVal and Ball State in the MAC if either of those teams can continue their hot start and potentially make the tournament. So how are you going to have the? You going to have multiple computers up there or at the at the well, game? I, I, the I should game, be good just with this? one, right? So as long as I got Purdue, Arizona. Yeah, I think you'll be fine with that. By the way, I, I guess I disagree with Mike. I just 2015 for yeah, Valpo. I just don't, yeah, it's 2015. They got to the what the second round. They lost to Maryland, I believe, 65-62. I just I don't think. I don't know. We're year three with Mike Watson, and we're having to say, well, you know. Uh, here's how they can get to the tournament. Boy, I, I think Indiana fans, I think that's going to be something we talk about here a lot more. Obviously, when the Colts are done, we'll see what's going on with the Pacers. But when the Colts are done, don't you agree? Whether they're in the playoffs or not, we get to the end of the season, deep into the postseason, the Super Bowl and everything else. I kind of feel like Indiana fans are not going to have as much that's going to be taking their attention I think Indiana fans, when they get you know January, February, are not going to be happy with this team. That's my read of the situation. I mean, I, it's not that I think Mike Woodson's a bad coach or anything. I just, I just really don't think they have the horses, right? That they have the players, and you want. I mean, you have a couple players, but can they get that much better? I don't know. I tend to think they play well on Saturday, but they don't beat Kansas. Does that make sense? Yeah, Assembly Hall, I mean, you just never know. I mean, I feel like sometimes you see teams walk in there, and you know, Mike brought up that North Carolina game from a couple of years ago. Those teams just kind of melt inside of that building. So I will be curious how Kansas reacts to it, I guess. Are we still on Xavier Johnson watch? You know, he's missed a couple of games, a couple of weeks now. Uh, he got hurt against Kansas last year. Uh, that obviously is a big one. But with the Big Ten a little bit down, again, this adds to the importance. It's not like you sit there with the Big Ten schedule oh, yeah, and you have seven top 20 games. And you're not beating Purdue twice this season. You're Sitting just there. And even Indiana's double games in the Big Ten, they're not necessarily in kind of that marquee. You, you know, you, you have this with Notre Dame was one of these teams a few years ago when, when they were the play-in team. They were the two-seed in the ACC, Andy. But they were a play-in team because their non-conference resume was so bad. So just because you go, whatever, 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten, 13-7, however it plays out, does not guarantee you a spot in the tournament. Um, we are going to get to a pop quiz here in a bit, 317-239-1070, and a morning check down. We haven't played the clip. We played it for Scott Agnes. We haven't really given it a lot of attention here this morning. Uh, amidst all of the stupidity last night in the Pacers-Bucks game, especially post-game, the stupidest moment of the night. There is no debate of that. Uh, Marcus Johnson, do I have the name right, Mark? Yeah, that sounds right. Marcus Johnson, uh, the color analyst for the Bucks TV broadcast, calling Tyrese Halliburton a wannabe all-star 
and saying he's one of the biggest floppers in the NBA easily takes the cake of the stupidest comment last night <laughs> in relation to the Pacers-Bucks game, which is saying something because oh, we man. had a lot of stupid oh, yeah. last night. We had a lot of, of bad defense from the Pacers. We had a lot of stupid temper tantrums from the Bucks after the game, but nothing was stupider than that comment. It's one thing for Wally Zerbiak to say what he said. Very similar comments. You know, what was it, this time last year? Unless you've been under a rock, labeling Tyrese Halliburton as either of those two things is easily, easily the dumbest. Probably here with two weeks left in the year, probably the dumbest thing I've heard in 2023. You want to hear those clips? Yeah, let, let's hear them, but wait a minute. KB's saying all, like, all the way to the end of the year, you heard the dumbest things you've heard all year, two weeks, two, three weeks, whatever it is, before we get to 2024. Wow. Mark, play the stupidity. Okay physical at both ends of the floor and if you know if a if a wayward elbow catches somebody in the nose if a, if a forearm shiver catches a, a you know two cockies want to be superstar in the chest so be it <laughs> I mean, i'm not naming any i names. was gonna say to be named nameless no, 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 I'm just say just it. figure I, it out I'm, yourself. I'm, I'm speaking in generality and then here's the other one where this is after Halliburton bumped into Giannis yesterday and fell to the ground. Indianapolis, November 9th. The Pacers were able to survive that. That will skew things to the positive. Oh, Halliburton. Wow. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Okay. They're going to review that. Well, he, Giannis was just there. Was he? No? You know, we, we'll have to take a look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, I need to see it a second but, time. But, you know, Halliburton is, is one of the best floppers that I've seen in a long, long time. Just stupid. Oh, man. Utter stupidity there from the Bucks. T- Again, that is Marcus Johnson. He's want to make in. sure we get the name correct there. Uh, the dumbest comment I've heard in 2023, calling Tyrese Halliburton a wannabe star. Well, okay, I agree with that. I almost think the flop, the flopping allegation is worse. Well, that I'm was trying after... To, I'm trying to think of how many times I've thought, oh, Halliburton has flopped, and I can't think of any, and... No, he just I, weighs as much as, you know, Max Bowen. Yeah, He's but just I, a light dude, and yeah, Giannis is... And that is, wasn't last night. He didn't flop last night, I didn't think. And Giannis that comment, literally bulldozes people when he's in the paint. And that comment came right after Giannis threw the elbow. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he flopped, and I can't even remember... Like, if he was a historic flopper... I feel like we would have six, seven different instances already in a month and a half, two months of the season to where I could go to and I could say, oh, yeah, three weeks ago against Philadelphia, you know, you know, a month ago against Washington, Miami, that doubleheader there. He had a couple instances. I don't feel like anyone like I don't feel like we've talked about that at all with this team whatsoever. I think they've kind of been a tough, scrappy team. That's the way I viewed them, at least. Yeah, just huh. beyond stupid on that. And, um, and and one thing I think to note as well from last night is, uh, you know, when you saw Bobby Portis react to Aaron Neesmith's hard foul on Giannis, I think that's something that, you know, maybe this Pacers team lacks a little bit. Somebody reacting in that manner to whatever Giannis did to Halliburton or just in general – it got to a night with Giannis where, right or wrong, you just needed to commit, and I guess Neesmith did a little bit of it, but Andy, you just needed to commit a big-time foul against him of enough is enough. You know, his just constant bullying to the rim, bullying you in the paint, getting to the foul line at will, uh, all of it um, just absolutely uh, tormented uh, the Pacers all night long. 